This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. All right. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another KFS lunch break. Uh, off-season live stream. I don't know. If someone, if anybody out there has like a really creative... I mean, I like KFS lunch break. But if you have a very, like a fun name for this that we do periodically, hopefully we'll become more than uh, just periodically in the not too, too distant future. Um, yeah, but feel free to reach out to Andrew and... Let them know your suggestions. Uh, I, I like KFS, KFS lunch break. It's fine. Okay. So um, let's start with... Uh, we do have some news today to go through. I will... Let's start with the, the news that is the only piece of news that explicitly mentions the Knicks, which was uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, a uh, friend of the pod, Jake Fisher, uh, reported just a little while ago about... A half hour, forty minutes. Uh, had a had a big uh, news news and info and rumors dump for Yahoo Sports, and uh, I don't want to I don't want to paraphrase him, so I'll just uh, I'll say what he wrote um, concerning Dante Divincenzo. Uh, mentions him as a possible target for the Wolves if indeed they uh, wind up. Uh, parting ways with Tory and Prince, which would um, open up their full mid-level exception. Uh, anyway, mention the Wolves as a as a possible landing spot for Divincenzo if they do indeed uh, open up that uh, exception, or at least that Divincenzo would be a target of theirs. But then he goes on to write that there's been growing noise among league personnel about Divincenzo joining former Villanova teammates Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart in. New York. There you go. So this comes on the heels of, I think, I mean, I don't know when exactly the specul. I mean, people have been bending about DiVincenzo's name since during the season as someone who might be a, a potential target for, for this year. Josh Hart did an interview, I believe with Taylor, Taylor Rooks, uh, like a month or so ago in which he kind of made no illusions about that, that uh, he would like, you know, DiVincenzo to, to come here this summer. And then Ian Begley reported recently that uh, there are several people, higher ups, whatever you want to say, in the Knicks front office that like DiVincenzo. I just want to start off and I, look, we do, we do this exercise sometimes and sometimes I hate it and other times I feel it could at least be a little useful. This is one of the times I feel it can be useful, although, and the exercise I'm talking about is going through the minutes and how many minutes are available. The reason it's, it's a, it's an imperfect science is that obviously it goes without saying injuries happen in the NBA seemingly now more than ever. And if it's not injuries, it's players being you know, extra precautious. And I know the response to that. Well, if, if you could walk, you could play. That's the, it's the Thibodeau mantra. It's the Knicks mantra under Thibodeau. To a certain extent, that that's true. We also saw, you know, Jalen Brunson sit out several games this year. 
in which he was like warming up beforehand, didn't feel comfortable giving it a go. Um, like the Knicks do have players that, you know, it, it's like there's a threshold. And if it seems like once they once they go below that threshold of health, then they sit him out for precautionary reasons. But if they get above that threshold, whereas on maybe on some other teams, those guys might, you know, sit out. If you're on the Knicks, like you're you're playing. So guys will miss games. And when guys miss games, it's an opportunity for players on the roster, either who are in the rotation for their minutes to increase, or obviously for players outside of the rotation to get minutes. So that's a big caveat. At the same time, when you are proactively making decisions about how to spend a significant portion of your salary cap, and I'm, I'm sorry, all you have to do is just read any NBA news item to see that you know $12 million annually over either three or perhaps four years, that's a, that's a significant financial commitment. Um, and if you're like, well, you know, it's less than 10% of the cap, it's not that significant. Okay, you know who it's the decision about whether or not to come to the Knicks, uh, how many minutes he'll be getting is certainly significant, is Dante DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo is still kind of young, He's definitely going to have a chance to get one more significant contract potentially after he signs this deal. So he is not going anyplace where there is not a definitive, definitive plan for him to get significant minutes. Now, what's significant? I want to say last season in Golden State, it's funny. I looked up uh, eight, a whole bunch of different minutes uh, totals. Uh, a few minutes ago, and the one I forgot to look up was Dante DiVincenzo, but it's okay. I'm looking it up right now. Dante DiVincenzo last season uh, with the Warriors averaged 26 minutes a game. When he ended the previous year with Sacramento, a little over 26 minutes a game. When he was with Milwaukee for the little bit of uh, the season before that, um, when he was still a somewhat a part of their you know core, even though he was coming off an injury, averaged 27 and a half minutes a game. He's a guy who's going to want to play more or less half the game. You want to say 26 minutes, 25, 26, 27, somewhere in that range. And he's going to know if I go somewhere, I'm playing this number of minutes. With that in mind, let's go through minute averages last season for the Knicks. I'm going to start with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, 35 minutes a game. Go back through Tom Thibodeau's entire career. Um, pre-injury, Derrick Rose, Wolves with Cat, Butler, Wiggins, Julius Randle last three years. Actually, sorry, the the first year under Tibbs, he actually averaged closer to like 38 minutes a game because he was the Knicks just like couldn't score at all when he was off the court. Uh, but it's been pretty consistently 35. And Jalen Brunson last like if you're a top player on a Thibodeau team, you're playing 35 minutes a night. And I shouldn't, you know, pigeonhole make it seem like I'm like singling out Thibodeau more than half the coaches in the league. That's about what they play their best guys. And actually there are quite a few coaches who play their best guys more than that. But Tibbs seems like pretty straightforward 35 minutes a night. Okay. RJ had been at that 35 minutes a night pretty consistently over his time under Thibodeau until after they made the Josh Hart trade in which at which point from that point forward in the season, he went down to 32 minutes a night. I'm going to be like super conservative and plug him in at 30 minutes a night 
for next year, which is, again, the absolutely most conservative I think you could get. I think it's probably more accurate, like he's going to stay around 32. Let's put him at 30. Josh Hart, talk about if you're going to pay a guy, you're going to play a guy. Josh Hart, after he came here last year, 30 minutes a night, he's been right around 30, maybe 29, you know, 28 was the lowest for the last bunch of years. Let's put him in at 28 minutes a night. So we got Brunson, Randall, 35 apiece, RJ, 30, Hart, 28. Quentin Grimes, uh, post Hart trade, was at 26 and uh, 26 and change. Let's let's call it at 27. I'm going to plug him at 26 a night. And then last, uh, certainly not least, Emmanuel quickly um, coming off the bench. Now Quickly's minutes are a little, a little funky because his minutes totals or his minutes averages, um, fluctuated wildly depending on whether or not he was coming off the bench. Um, but off the bench last year, he averaged 26 minutes and change. So we're going to plug him in at 26 minutes. So that's for Julius, Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and I'm doing the math one last time. Let's give Hart 28, quickly 26, and um, Grimes 26. That gets you to 180 minutes. I think I did my math right. I, I did it. I was at 182 a little while ago, but now I'm at 180. Whatever. 180, 182, or whereabouts. That's 180 minutes dedicated to six players. You'll notice that I've left out the center position completely because we know under this coach, and unless they go out and get a very, very, very different sort of player than they have on this roster currently, um, you're getting 48 minutes of Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hardenstein, and if one of those guys is is hurt, um, you know Jericho Sims gets in that mix. So you could you could all plug along in your calculators with me if you'd like. Um, that's that leaves the other four positions, 48 minutes apiece, 48 minute game, 48 times four, 192. We just accounted for 180 to 182 minutes, let's call it. That leaves 10 minutes left over. That is obviously not enough for Dante DiVincenzo. And then go person by person. You want to tell Quentin Grimes, sorry, Quentin, you're gonna go down to 20 minutes a night. I don't see that happening. Manual quickly, we just handed you an extension or even worse we're not going to hand you an extension and then we're going to reduce your minutes to 20 minutes a night ain't happening rj barrett 100 million dollar contract just starting yeah we're going to get you we're going to bump you down to you know 24 minutes ain't happening none of this shit is happening all of this is to say to me this is oh by the way the one name that i didn't mention <laughs> Obi Toppin, this whole rigmarole that I just went through, all it does is assume that they're essentially going to play Josh Hart or RJ Barrett as the backup four. I didn't even mention Obi Toppin. So um, they're not doing any of those things. All of this is to say that if they are serious about going after Dante DiVincenzo and giving Dante DiVincenzo 12 plus million dollars a year, and Dante DiVincenzo agrees to sign on the dotted line, 
I think it's a clear indication that there's something else going on, that there's something else afoot, if you will, um, which would entail, I think, the Knicks sending out multiple players in the current rotation. And I'm not talking about Obi Toppin. I'm talking about one of the guys that I just mentioned. And you could, I don't need to say the names. You know who it's who it would probably be. It would be two of RJ, Quickly, or Grimes. Two of those three. Um, sending two of those guys out. Bringing one guy back, a wing of some sort. And then that allows you to give DiVincenzo his whatever minutes he's going to get, but he's, he, whatever he's going to want. And then that's that there's eight players. And then as far as who's the ninth guy, does it go to a nine, uh, a, a ninth guy? Um, you know, you go out, whether you keep, you could keep topping at like, and, and play him his usual piddly, you know, 14 minutes a night. Um, if you want to give Deuce, but again, Deuce doesn't have the same minutes requirements as a quickly or a Grimes or an RJ or whoever you want to, you know, uh, you want to play Deuce 12 minutes a night or 14 minutes. A night. You could do that. But the only way this all works, and I'm sorry, they're not going to go to Dante DiVincenzo or Josh Hart for that matter, who they're also negotiating with right now and be like, yeah, the minutes, you know, the guys will get injured. Don't worry. Sure. There might be some, some nights where you play and, on top of that, like that's not how Tibbs wants it. That's not how Tibbs likes to go about like his his rotation. He wants guys to get more minutes, and the one guy, like the one guy who had to eat it over the last several seasons was Obi Toppin. And did Obi Toppin? He was the one guy that I, I my guess. This is just a guess. But Tibbs felt comfortable like, yeah, I'm not really worried about him playing 12 or 14 minutes in a game. I don't really have to worry about him getting into any kind of an offensive flow. Why? Because anytime down the court, what is Obi Toppin doing? If it's not a transition play, he's just standing in the corner. He's not really involved. As opposed to all those other guys, those are guys Tibbs wants to play, you know, 26, 28, 30 minutes a night. The Josh Hart's and the Quentin Grimes and the Emmanuel Quickies of the world. And he's going to want to play Dante. If they get Dante DiVincenzo, he's going to want to play Dante DiVincenzo, you know, those number of minutes. So, look, maybe this is all much to do about nothing. Maybe, maybe, maybe they, they take everything I said and they throw it in the trash and they sign Dante DiVincenzo. They don't make a single other move um, other than maybe shipping out Obi Toppin for something. And they say, yeah, you know what? We'll figure out the minutes thing later. Maybe they do that. I don't know. But, man, based on how this organization is operated, based on how this coach is operated, based on them wanting to maximize value at every turn, it sure as shit does not seem like they are planning to just bring in Dante DiVincenzo, whether they ship out Obi Toppin or not, and just leave everything else as is. I, I'd i be, frankly, shocked. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what that entails. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D dogs, D-O-G-S dot com and promo code pool, P-O-O-L to receive a free Yeti style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. The other two things, and I went on a little bit longer about, on that than I intended to. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll save this for comments. But the other two little pieces of news that came across this morning that are, are relevant to me, at least. Uh, apparently, the Suns had conversations with the Mavs about, I don't want to say salary dumping DeAndre Aiden, but like, according to uh, Mark Stein, and maybe this actually originated with Chris Haynes, uh, who does a podcast with Mark Stein, um, Aiden to Dallas for what would have been Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes. This is obviously after the the trade the Mavs made with the Kings on draft night. And... Um, JaVale McGee. And as, as Stein reported, uh, the uh, Suns uh, balked at taking back McGee, who is essentially dead weight at this point. But the fact that the the Suns were... And the way Stein puts it, it's essentially you're getting two rotation players for one. You're getting Holmes and you're getting Hardaway, two rotation guys, and you're sending out one. But there were no... report. Reportedly, there were no draft picks involved in that proposed trade. So coming off the heels of the John Collins trade in which the Hawks essentially sent him out as a, you know, a, not a, I mean, a, at best, a neutral salary. They didn't get anything back for John Collins. It's useful. They got Rudy Gay's expiring contract. They got salary relief. That's it. You know, I think it really does speak to, as we've all been talking about, the changing, you know, valuations of these deals for you know, good but not great players. John Collins, twenty-five million a year. DeAndre Ayton, I think he's at thirty-two or thirty-three million a year. Um, now, the caveat with that: DeAndre Ayton is a center who is like kind of good at everything, but not great at anything. 
um, which in and of itself makes him maybe the sixth or seventh best center in the league. But like still, he's not Jokic. He's not Embiid. He's not even Carl Anthony Towns. John Collins. We don't have to talk about like I thought Benji put um, shout out to Benji and DJ Zulo who absolutely freaking killed it on the live stream last night. I listened to them until I fell asleep, which is very sad for me that I could fall asleep listening to a podcast, but I am old and that's what happens. But I thought DJ uh, or uh, Benji phrased it so well when he's like, you know, guys who are just strictly a four, which is John Collins is can't play up position, can't play down a position. They're kind of a dying breed in the league, at least in terms of value. So which leads me to the last point, then we'll move on to the questions. Jake Fisher also had a report that the Hawks are, and this is not really news because this has been bandied about, but it gave some specificity to locations as far as DeAndre Hunter trades. Uh, Detroit and Indiana. Two teams, what do they have to offer? Cap space. Who can they take into that cap space? DeAndre Hunter. The DeAndre Hunter trade return, and I'm assuming he's going to get traded because at this point, how could he not? The DeAndre Hunter trade return is going to be fascinating to me. Or the fact, if actually, if he isn't traded, it's going to be just as fascinating to me because it says the Hawks wanted something for him, like decent, and that nobody was willing to give it to him. Here's why it's fascinating. DeAndre Hunter isn't a, a good but not great center. DeAndre Hunter isn't a four. DeAndre Hunter is a big wing which is the rarest commodity in the league if you bring certain types of skills with it. Now, does DeAndre Hunter bring all of those skills? No, he does not. But what he can do, he could defend his position. He could defend up. He could defend down a little bit. He's a good defender. He is a three-point shooter that will, let's say, keep you honest, barely. He's 35% for his career. He's a little lower last year. Um, but the whole Hawks team struggled shooting. But he's a, he's a league average three-point shooter. If you're a league average three-point shooter, and you could defend. You're a good defender, and you're, you know, give he, he give you a little creation juice here and there in a pinch, you know, to, to keep you honest. Um, that's a player that has value. DeAndre Hunter's due ninety million dollars over the next four years. I know that sounds like a lot of money. It's fifteen percent of the cap with how the, the contract goes up. That's like not a ton. Will he fetch a real return? And. Yeah, you don't have to read between the lines for what I'm getting at here. Like to me, what DeAndre Hunter does or does not get does speak to me a little bit, a little bit, and I'm going to give it why it's only a little bit about what the value of RJ Barrett might be around the league and how teams who are looking to do deals with the Knicks potentially to send a star player back to the Knicks might value RJ. Now, the reason it's not completely relevant is I think, and again, I'm the biggest RJ hater in the world. RJ has, I would opine massively more upside than DeAndre Hunter as a guy, a legitimate on-ball guy. He just showed he could be a legitimate on-ball guy in the playoffs and really be a tertiary, if not a secondary option next to a lead guy and really cause problems for a defense that are going to stick a smaller guard on RJ, which is going to happen a lot. Again, shout out to Benji. He went through this last night because teams are going to put their wings on Jalen Brunson. So that has real value. He has he, he may only be scratching his upside. On the flip side, you could look at DeAndre Hunter's three-point percentage, and you could look at DeAndre Hunter's defense and argue that he has a higher floor going forward. And if RJ kind of continues, you know, meandering along, that means he's going to be more like the fourth best player on a team as opposed to the third or even, you know, the second. In that scenario... Does not floor matter more than ceiling? Oh, I'm going off on a tangent, but I just I I think the the Hunter situation to me 
is relevant to just valuations around the league. I mean, hell, you could even draw a connection between the Hunter situation and OG Ananobi for the same with the same caveat that I just made about Barrett. OG Ananobi has has a much discussed, you know, creation upside. Well, guess what? He's three years older than RJ Barrett and he hasn't really shown that much. So, like, what's the valuation on OG Ananobi? I, I know OG Ananobi just made all defense second team and he's a he's a much better defender even than Hunter. But like I think we're gonna learn a lot about the values of these of these contracts around the league for the for really anything any if you're below that like star level, if you're below the level of guys who are like, okay, this person is an all-star. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what where what happens with with a bunch of these deals. Okay. I've talked for long enough. Uh Andrew, shall we get to some things that people may or may not be curious about? Ghost Dog LT starts us off. What are your thoughts on Harrison Barnes? Fournier and Obi for Barnes in a sign and trade. Would he be okay with coming off the bench? Market value. A couple things. One, uh, doing a sign and trade triggers the hard cap. Now, probably not an issue here because the Knicks, as we've discussed a lot lately, don't plan on going into the luxury tax. The hard cap is above the luxury tax. Um, but doing a sign and trade for Barnes would essentially. Especially actually doing that sign and trade for Barnes might. I don't think the Knicks would do it because I was about to say it would basically take a lot of potential moves off the table because let's say for argument's sake, there's a deal available to the Knicks at midseason that they love and that they could do and that they have the assets to do, but would involve them going into the luxury tax and triggering the, the hard cap. Would they... I think if it was a deal that they felt made them, even if it, they felt internally that gave them a 10% chance to come out of the East, that might be a deal they'd want to do. But if they can't do it because, they tr- because it would trigger the hard cap, then they're going to have buyer's remorse over doing a sign and trade. That's number one. Number two, would Barnes be okay coming off the bench at this point in his career? Yeah, I think he'd be okay coming off the bench as like a sixth or seventh man. But as I just went through at the top of the show, and I'm, I don't need to go through it again, um, Harrison Barnes ain't coming here unless you're 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 giving significant minutes to him and I just with Randall here and with a lot of Barnes's value especially at this point in his career being a guy who to me it's 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 too simple to say he's a 3-4. He's a 4 who if you need him to play some 3 in a pinch, he could play some 3 in a pinch, but primarily he's a 4. So if you got a guy who's already a 4 who's playing 35 minutes a night in Julius Randall, I just I don't see it. I don't see it making sense. Thanks, Ghost Dog. Manny Campos, what's going on, Manny? Do the Knicks circle back on OG now that he dropped clutch? Well, it's not official yet. We should note. Um, is the cost slightly lower because he is expiring? Does he make us better in lieu of RJ? Um, I have... <sighs> I've always struggled with the fit for OG here with this roster as currently constituted if you're putting him in in place of RJ I think it makes that's the thing that makes the most sense but if you're putting him in place of RJ then obviously you're sending RJ out in that deal Um, what else does Toronto want now that gets to the fact that he's expiring 
even with everything I just went through before, I would be shocked if Ananobi extended off of his current number. The most he could extend for is 140% of the cap. That tops out, I believe, at 24, 25 million. Um, assuming he obviously declines his player option. That even with the NBA's changing economy, if OJ Ananobi looks at John Collins and says, so wait a minute, there was a team that was basically willing to take on John Collins and that contract. And he's getting paid 25 a year. Actually, 26 a year because it's the last three years. I'm going to now settle for a contract that starts at 26. That's essentially me looking at the marketplace and saying, I am the same value as a guy who is like the very definition of a neutral contract because he just got moved into space for no return. Like, I don't, I think OG is going to see himself as a, is going to want more than that. I think someone will give him more than that. So then getting back to your question, what Toronto does, and this is where I really struggle because Masai, I don't know that Masai is a rational actor at this point. He got essentially nothing for Kyle Lowry when he had a chance to trade Kyle Lowry for real stuff, the deadline before his free agency. I think he had a chance. I'm assuming he had a chance to get something real for Fred Van Vliet before this free agency and all indications are that again, based on the available reporting, including Jake Fisher's reporting today, the indications are that Fred Van Fleet, I mean, you read the tea leaves. He sure seems to be the, the free agent that's most likely to, to change teams. And with all these teams with cap space, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's if they get something for doing you know for doing a sign and trade and then they open up a trade exception. Now you could tell me they they get a trade exception back. Okay, maybe that has value, but I, I just so this all comes back to the reporting that that he doesn't he essentially doesn't want to trade OG Ananobi. Or he's 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 holding such a high valuation of OG Ananobi that like reasonable offers are being like rebuffed. I you know to I don't know what you do with that if you're the Knicks or any other team trying to trade for OG Ananobi because the 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 flight risk has to be baked into the price. Now, all that being said, if there is a situation where the Knicks could parlay RJ Barrett and let's say some of their protected picks, even their own 2024 first rounder, you want to make that unprotected or make a top four protected or something. Into OG, I, I think you. I think you. Man, I, I. I think you'd have to do it. He just helps you too much on the defensive end. And again, shout out to Benji and, and DJ. They did a whole discussion on OG versus RJ last night, and I think they came out on the end of OG's defense is more valuable than with the acknowledgement that RJ's offense is better than OG. OG's offense. And obviously, OG's defense is better than RJ's offense. The OG's defense is more valuable than RJ's offense on this team. Now, is he going to be happy with the shot attempts and and where he slots in on the totem pole on this? It's a very complicated scenario with OG with OG Ananobi. That's why it's, it's tough for me to fully wrap my mind around. That said, yes, RJ's the better offensive player, but like, go look up OG Ananobi's three point percentages over his his career. I mean, he is. I mean, 
he's he's pretty rock solid 37% from three. That has fucking value. You know, that has real value when you're getting that level of all. I mean, again, this guy literally just made an all defense team last year. He is God, he's good on defense. And in a team with Jalen Brunson on it and Julius Randle on it for the time being, that defense has value. And then if you put him next to Grimes or quickly, you know, or Josh Hart or put a bunch of those guys on the floor at once and then Mitchell Robinson or even Isaiah Hardenstein's back there. Boy, you're a pain in the ass to play against. And then, sorry, last thing. What do they do for RJ Barrett here in New York? They let him run. They're like for 10 or 12 minutes a game in the second unit. You're the man. It's your show. You and Emmanuel quickly, but like your option number one. That might be a sell for OJ Ananobi. Hey, for 20, 22 minutes a night, you're, yeah, you're going to be mostly spotting up, but we're going to get you some, we're going to get you a few opportunities during those 20, 22 minutes. And then for, the other 10 or 12 minutes a game, man, it's your show, buddy. That might be appealing to him. I would think. Thanks, Manny. Oh, I find the OG Ananobi thing fascinating because I really do think, I, I don't know that it, 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 it can't be like the final move, but it, it could, I think it could help. And I think it could lead to some other interesting stuff too. Uh, Lunis Emirat, feel like other Nick fans aren't being as happy that Lillard to Miami seems more unlikely now. Would have had a huge impact on the power dynamics of the East. Again, I'm going to do this probably a dozen more times. Shout out to Benji and DJ. They talked about this last night. Um, like how much would you fear a Miami team with Damian Lillard? I'd probably pick him to come out of the East. Which I know is not probably saying much because he just already came out of the East without Damian Lillard, um, and the guy that they would most likely trade for Damian Lillard, Tyler Hero. Um, you know, I there's a there's an argument that like l- be happy that the Heat are going to go get Lillard because the Knicks aren't ready to contend next year anyway, and. They're going to go out and get this untradeable contract for this player who is a small guard and who's aging fast and Jimmy Butler's aging fast. And like, I hear all that. It's also the heat. It's Pat Riley. Call me an idiot. At this point, I've been conditioned. Hashtag heat culture to just believe they will figure it out and they will figure out how to stay good and relevant and like the notion that like I should be happy if the Heat get Lillard because it like torpedoes their future or something like um I think the Knicks window is like with this Jalen Brunson led core like Jalen Brunson's in his prime now which means our window is now how fast we decide to open that window all the way is up to Leon Rose and the powers that be but like. The next five years. So like, yeah, I'd be worried as all hell if Dame came here. And I I would be very happy if he stayed in Portland because if he stays in Portland, then all of a sudden you look around the East next year and it's like, all right, maybe Philly gets a little worse. Boston, we'll see how the KP thing works. I think Boston's going to be really good in the regular season, especially. But like, we'll see how that works in the playoffs. I'm sure another team or two is going to jump up. We'll see how Cleveland does. Like, but man. I hope the I hope he doesn't come to Miami. Matt Smith, what's going on, Matt? Do we have any reason to believe CIA is going to get OG Ananobi, or is that merely Twitter speculation? 
uh, unless you know something I know, and I think that's Twitter speculation. I mean, no, I shouldn't say that. CAA is is the biggest sports agency there is. I know there are some individual agents who are like right up there with them, but like, you know, CAA basketball has like a client list of. I think one of the one of the Knicks Twitter accounts put out uh put out. Hold on, let me. I'll even I'll try to give this person credit. Look at look at me here. What's what's this account? Knicks Buzz. Knicks Buzz. Okay. Uh, yeah. Put out a list of all the CAA clients. It looks like there's about I don't know forty five guys on this. Does that sound about right? Um, that's a tenth. That's ten percent of the league. You know. So. If all things being equal, is it likeliest that he goes to? Is there a better chance he goes to CAA than a smaller agency? Yeah, just because of math. But I, I don't read anything more into it than that. Uh, Abraham Onafade, what's going on, Abe? What is the Knicks? What does New York Knicks look like with Kuz in Randall's spot? Um, okay, we got, I guess, a trade here. RJ Ob. Fournier, two unprotected first round picks. So we got RJ, Obi, Fournier, two unprotected first round picks, and a protected, one of our protected first round picks for Brandon Ingram and Alvarado. Thoughts? Uh, Pels sell this as a Duke reunion and it gets Obi minutes. Um, <clears throat> so I guess what I'm a, a little confused with is. Maybe you mistyped this that you because you wrote Kuz and Randall spot. But if we're trading RJ, then I, I think Kuz would be in RJ spot. Um, so I'm a little confused with that. But like, let's let me just look at the deal on its face. Oh, wait, no, I got never mind. I reading comprehension. Sorry, I get it. BI at the three. So then where's Randall going? That's my question. I guess we're trading Randall. So then we're so then we're doing Randall's going to Washington. Okay, now I got it. Uh the Wizards don't want Julius Randall. If you're going to tell me there's a sign and trade, if you're going to tell me there's a possibility of a sign and trade which again brings in hard cap issues, but let's just go with it for a second. We're going to send Randall to Houston. We're going to send uh Jalen Green and and Houston has a ton of cap space, so they could inherit a larger contract than the money they're sending out. <laughs> than the money they're they're sending out, um, we're gonna send. Uh, I don't know, send send June and and uh, Garuba. At, they, I mean, you got to give something decent to wash. Actually, no, it's a sign and trade, so you probably don't need to give a lot to for Washington to facilitate the sign and trade here. Um, you might be able to get it for some of from some of Houston's lesser. Lesser players. Um, huh. All right. So let's go with that. Let's say that those three teams agree on that deal. Randall to Houston, some young players to Washington, Kuzma to, to the Knicks. Okay. And now you want to get Brandon Ingram for RJ, two unprotected firsts and Obi Toppin. If the Pelicans were unwilling to trade Brandon Ingram for Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons, which is what that trade was was rumored to be. And I don't know if you want to put 
take take out Simons. What you can't even take out Simons because there's no other sizable contract, and you need you need to be sending out some money there. Um, I'm not sure they're doing it for this package. I, I've always I owe I get it. I've I've gotten it for years. The notion of like RJ makes Zion happy. Okay, so you got a guy. So here, here, here's the only scenario that like, I made myself last because I, I obviously think it's a little bit far-fetched. But like, so you have a player in Zion Williamson who was reportedly this summer, uh, Wendy basically said he is not a part of the culture at all with the Pelicans, not close to the team at all, not really close to his teammates. So the thinking is that you bring in RJ and all of a sudden Zion is going to start caring about being a professional athlete to the degree that he has not through four years. Mm. That's an interesting bet. Um, I, I mean, listen, cr- crazier things have happened. I Look, I guess if you're the Pelicans and you love RJ and you think like in two years, RJ could be every bit the player that Brandon Ingram is and you're picking up RJ at a nice contract, get Obi thrown in and, and, you know, maybe those, maybe those unprotected picks are, are in the distance. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's insane. Um, I do think the Knicks like Brandon Ingram a lot, or at least people within the Knicks. I think like some people within the Knicks like Brandon Ingram a lot. I think they like that the idea of Brandon Ingram. Um, he's a guy that's not that far away from free agency. Andrew double check for me. I think he, he could be a free agent in two years. Um, you know, so if things start going south in New Orleans, is is like Brandon Ingram, is he the caliber of player that could kind of start to nudge his way out of, of New Orleans if he has an impending free agency situation? Um, maybe. I I'm not gonna I'm not going to say it. Yeah, 2025. I'm not going to say it's completely nuts. I just think, it, given what they just turned down for Ingram, and given that they're given their alleged fascination, obsession, whatever, with Scoot Henderson, that they're now going to do the same trade. You know, but you're bringing back RJ Barrett instead of Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I don't know. Thanks, Abe. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? 
Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Will Hooper, ill will, wouldn't it make sense to package IQ and Obi for a wing that plays small forward, power forward when signing Dante DiVincenzo? Sure. Who do you want it to be? Um, couple problems with that. One, the minute situation that I just went through before. So even if you send out IQ and send out Obi and you bring in DiVincenzo, that still is only going to leave you about 10 or 12 minutes in a healthy rotation. A, a, yeah, a healthy rotation. IQ and, and Obi Toppin uh, make combined um, 11, just over $11 million next year. So you could bring back, you know, bump it up 5 million. So it's within the CB. It, it, it could be a bumped up 5 million on the return number within the CBA. Although in that case, then you're all of a sudden into luxury tax, unless you're shipping out Fournier for cheaper salary or something. So, but let's put the luxury tax issues aside for a second. What player are you bringing in for that amount of money now? And again, you don't have the minutes for a player that you're gonna the the in the scenario you laid out. If you're going to essentially flip quickly and Obi somewhere. Because you're bringing in DiVincenzo. I think the more likely scenario is you're bringing in a player that can essentially be your new Obi Toppin, but give Tibbs more what he wants from that backup power forward spot is cool with playing 10, 14 minutes a night. So again, this is not going to be a, a great player that you're bringing in, which means the value, the majority of the value in that trade that you're talking about is going to be some sort of future draft compensation. And the one thing I've been thinking about in the back of my mind is, again, trying to figure out this whole DiVincenzo thing. If it's not a two-for-one trade where a star is coming back, is it quickly going out, maybe with Obi, maybe not with Obi, maybe Obi goes on a separate deal, whatever, but essentially quickly going out and you're bringing back a pick. The problem is, and I looked through the other day, all of the outstanding picks... um, that have been sent out via trade it, across the league. Because a, a deal like that, if it's a bad team, they're not sending you a future pick without significant protections on it. And if it's a good team, well, you may not want that pick because they're a good team unless the pick is in the distant, distant future. And like, there's not a lot of teams out there with because a lot of the teams that are good have already traded away their picks that are in the distant, distant future. So then you're left with looking for picks from a team like Brooklyn, because why did why might Brooklyn be a good partner? Because Brooklyn has the distant future picks of a team like Phoenix that may have a lot of value in the distant, you know, in that future, which the Knicks could then turn around and put a pick like that or picks like that in a trade. But then, okay, so like, again, I'm just let's use the Nets as an example because they're the one that came to mind, and these two teams would never do a trade. But just humor me for a second. Brooklyn says, we'll give you the most distant Phoenix pick. 
for Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin, and we'll send you uh, I, I, uh, one of their lesser wings. We'll send you Royce O'Neal, or or we'll send you. Uh, actually, that's probably they would probably want more than that for Royce O'Neal. Uh, Joe Harris. Joe Harris makes a lot of money. They may not want that um, money on their books. I actually think Joe Harris might make a little bit too much money for Obi and quickly to work salary wise. Maybe the Knicks have to include another like a, a Sims or something to make the money, the math work. Let's assume the math works because that's not really my point. Then are the Knicks doing? Are they sending out quickly and Obi for one distant future pick? I don't. I don't. I don't want them to do that. Do you? Is that enough of a return for Emmanuel quickly for you? It's not for me. So then, okay, you're like, I want two picks. Well, now all of a sudden, if you're Brooklyn, or again, insert the team that has multiple future draft assets that might be good. If you're Brooklyn, you're like, well, wait a minute, hold on. We have this bounty of Phoenix picks, and we're going to cannibalize it for Emmanuel quickly, who's about to get paid twenty five million or twenty plus million dollars a year to maybe be our starting point guard. Like, if you know, like I. I just don't know that I see the match value-wise for that sort of a deal, um, which is why I keep coming back to the more likely scenario in my mind. Who the hell knows what actually happens? Of it's quickly and RJ together, outgoing, and you're bringing back a, a significant wing. But again, this is just this is these are things to make sense that make sense to me. I may say these things, and, and people think. Insanity, but I'm just I'm just showing you how my mind works. Uh, Brian Martinez, would Philly deal Tobias Harris to us uh, for? Uh, well, okay, so it's for it's for Julius Randle or R.J. Barrett. Um, that's number one. That's that's because they're not they're not even if they could salary dump Tobias Harris for like Fournier and stuff, the Knicks don't have the stuff anymore because they, they non they declined uh, Derek Rose's team option. So um, it's not going to be RJ because Tobias Harris is a four. So it's going to be Randall. It's funny enough. I think, <laughs> I think both teams might say no to that trade <laughs> Randall for Tobias Harris. Uh, Cause I just, I don't know. That Randall, assuming they're bringing back Harden and they still have Maxi there, and they have they have the oh yeah the reigning fucking league MVP. Um, you got Tobias Harris is already his dad's already complaining about nobody puts baby in the corner. Now you're gonna ask Julius Randall to do that and expect that Julius Randall's gonna be happy. So then, you, again, it gets you into three-team trades and all kinds of craziness. Uh, I, I don't see it. And I think the Knicks actually say no to that deal, too. Thanks, Brian. <clears throat> Good questions here. Uh, Junon, yes, John, we hear, we hear you, but what does Robert Randolph have to say? <laughs> Did he tweet something? Hold on. Now I have to go look up what... <clears throat> Um, now I have to go back uh, and look at Andrew. Is it worth it? You want to, does, Andrew? Do you want to pop on here? I know you're not in your usual confines. He quote tweeted. He quote tweeted us saying what the Knicks film school account. He said he quote tweeted the cap or no cap episode. I have it here. 
Hold on. All right. From at Robert Randolph. Oh, here we go. I have all the no cap latest. Dame to Minnesota for cat heating up. That's what I I have. Right. That's what he has. And I, too, listened to the Bill Simmons podcast. (laughs) Um, Good times. Good times. Robert Randolph never never quit. Hold on, wait. I gotta I gotta read the rest of, of Juanon's comments. Sorry, I, I missed the rest of it. Um, three moves lined up with Dante being one of them. Uh, Nostra, I can't read that. Nostra something. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, shout out to Robert. <clears throat> I want to hear Robert Cross and Robert Randolph do a live stream. Talk about my personal version of hell. Uh, Will Hooper with another one. Since you brought up my point. Um, if we get Zach Levine, wouldn't Patrick Williams fit the bill for a three and D wing for us? Not to start, but off the bench, a uh, couple things there. I, I like the way you're thinking. Um, Patrick Williams is going to get paid a lot of money this summer. He has done. I'll j- again. I haven't done the. I don't. I don't have the connections that big time NBA media people do. But Keith Smith, who I trust. So much with what he comes up with uh, for Spotrack. He does fantastic work over there and he is a real good guy with the cap and projecting values and contracts and things. He spitballed a Patrick, possible, he emphasized possible Patrick Williams extension in his, in his extensions preview article at the beginning of the offseason. I think he spitballed Patrick Williams at five for 100, so $20 million a year. I don't know if he's going to get that, but the fact that he thinks that something like that is possible says to me, and this backs up my own opinion, which is that I think Patrick Williams has shown enough in his three years with the Bulls that like he still has enough bloom on the rose that someone like he's not going to settle for like, oh yeah, I'm cool being a backup and making, you know, $10 million a year. I don't don't see that. But again, I I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at. Thanks, Will. Uh, Kevin Danishevsky, first time, long time, John. Thought experiment. Oh, no. Ke- Kevin's Kevin's thought experiments belong in like the most modern wing of the of the Museum of Modern Art or like, I don't know, the Guggenheim or something. Some someplace where you walk into a room with art and you're like, is this art or did they just give a child a paintbrush and a canvas? Because it just looks like just colors. It's like the, the most abstract scenes from across the Spider-Verse. Like that's to me, when I think of Kevin Danishevsky's thought experiments, I think of those shapes and colors. Um Anyway, uh, if you could pick a roster in the NBA right now that is best constructed to maximize Jalen Brunson's talents, which would it be and why? There's one that came to mind. So, like, I'm I'm assuming. Am I plugging in Brunson and not taking anybody else off? Or because like the first thing that came to my mind, the first team that came to my mind was Milwaukee. Because like Milwaukee, already if, assuming they bring back Brook Lopez, they have the stretch five, and the, is Brunson a little bit of a? Is it a little bit of a mess with uh, spacing with Giannis and Tedekumpo? Sure, both of those guys obviously like to work inside the paint, but man, 
Imagine being a defense trying to guard that pick and roll. I now the one the actually I'm going to push back against myself there because the one thing that Brunson doesn't really have in his bag, he's not because he's so short. Is he doesn't he doesn't really throw the lob, um, or he doesn't do it often. At least if his career thus far has been any indication. And like, not saying like Giannis is like a huge lob guy necessarily, but like just being able to like throw it up in the general vicinity of the rim and letting Giannis like catch it and bring it down and, and go back up for a dunk. Like that's a that's a massive part of those pick and rolls. So maybe he wouldn't be the best partner with, with Giannis on second thought. Um huh. The reason I thought about about Giannis first is like I'm trying to think of like who are the best players in the league who are more finishers than like they want the ball in their hands like all the time. Like and I that's why I thought of Giannis. Um I was about to say Miami, but again, kind of a similar problem with Jimmy Butler. That said, man, you put fucking Jalen Brunson on Miami with Jimmy and and Bam. What's the over-under on how many championships that team wins? Well, Jimmy's a little old, but like... Man, that would be utterly frightening. Um, They're not... They don't have a lot of shooting, but like I love what Orlando's doing. You know, they need a point guard, but that's... um, Man. I mean, if they could stay healthy, the Clippers... I think Brunson would be cool. Like, hey, Kawhi's got it going. Paul George has it going. All good. I'll take eight shots tonight. I'm good with that. It's, it's fine. Um, and those guys, but if he had, but if he has it going, like those guys could just be, especially Paul George. That's why I love the idea of partnering Paul George with with Jalen Brunson because he's cool. Like, yeah, you want me to stand behind the arc and jack 15 threes tonight? I could do that. Um, yeah, this is a good question. <laughs> Can we give him Wemby? <laughs> be fun. Let's be able to say it, Tony. Yeah, I don't. That's a. It's a really good question. Um, I gotta tell you, I might. I might stick with my Giannis answer. With my with my, my no Miami. Miami is the answer. I think I'll go with Miami. Okay. Uh, we are we are almost done. Last five minutes. Swaggy OG can't disagree more with OG. I'm not dealing RJ in any deal unless that in, for less than an all star. That's just me. I think it's a reasonable position to take. I think it's a reasonable position to take. And again, I, I promise. Last time I do this, I strongly encourage everybody to listen to the entire live stream from last night with Benji and DJ. But I thought their discussion on R.J. Barrett was quite frankly, and God knows I've listened to a lot of talk about R.J. Barrett over the years. I thought it was the best discussion about R.J. Barrett that I've ever heard because it really gets into the nuts and bolts of like, you know, why is this his ceiling? And like what like he's his skill of getting into the paint at will is such a valuable skill. It, it, it shout out to Tom Piccolo who wrote a, essentially a whole article on that skill and why that skill alone. He wrote this before this past season. Why that skill alone was worth continuing to believe in and invest in RJ Barrett. He's he's right because that skill alone. I mean, my God, on a team again on a team where somebody else like a Jalen Brunson is sopping up a lot of the attention from the opposing team's best wing defender. Such an important skill. 
And if you and if you told me we were going to just get the playmaking that we saw in the playoffs, because that takes care of the playmaking issue and that takes care of some of the finishing issue. And again, they talked about this last night because the finishing gets better because he's taking less bad shots at the rim because the decision making is better because he's making more plays for others when he gets into the paint. You know, and then you want to tell me, guess what? RJ is going to be a league average three point shooter on good volume for the next five years. If you tell me that, man, and the playmaking is what we saw in the playoffs, then absolutely you're dead on dead on balls accurate. To quote a line from my one of my favorite movies. Um, give me RJ over OJ, OG and an OB, even with the OG defensive um, you know, benefits. But are we getting that moving forward? You know, to say nothing of the fact that is there more to OG's game moving forward? It's an interesting question. Um, Phil K4. Big dreams, but any thoughts on the Windy Report a few weeks ago that Giannis asks for a trade if Middleton and Lopez don't return? Break my heart gently. I don't... I feel like I would have seen uh, that he... Would ask for, I think that is more speculation. Um, is it possible he can ask for a trade? Sure. I mean, but again, shout out to Nick's Film School Patreon. If you're not a Nick's Film School patron, uh, sign up, you can sign up today for the price of a large, perhaps slightly overpriced cup of coffee. You can listen to a bonus podcast every week. And on the last pod that me and, and Andrew did, we talked about the players that will define the summer and I named the honest as my number one player that will define the summer because he has the decision before the end of the summer on if he's going to sign an extension. And obviously he'll be offered that extension the first minute that bucks can extend it to him. And if he doesn't sign it, like he doesn't need to ask for a trade. If he doesn't sign that extension, that sends the biggest, brightest red flares around the entire league. Um, that, whoa, you know, th- this guy may be in play. Um, again, I don't, other than that, I'll just say like, if you're Giannis and forget, Middleton's probably going to be back. Jake Fisher reported a little while ago that all signs seem to indicate that Middleton's going to be back. Fine. Let's say Middleton's back. I think Lopez is a real flight risk because the money is just the money's getting crazy there and someone's going to pay Brooke because he's, he's great. Um, and if he goes, you know, and like, let's say Javon Carter goes like Joe Ingles is getting up there and you're like, man, that's a thin team all of a sudden and their age and injury. Like, is that really like what? And, and they have picks out the door still from the holiday trade. You want to tell me they got one more bullet left in the chamber in a in a year or two because more picks will open up so they could flip. You know, if they re-sign Middleton, they, let's say they flip Middleton for and like three future firsts. I don't know if they could actually open up that many, but just go with it for a second. You know, for like a better a better wing. I don't know. I and and let's say he does want out. Is he, is he coming to the next side? I don't know. We've never... I don't know. Who the hell knows where we'd want to go if he left Milwaukee? I don't know how to read that guy. Uh, Sam L. What's going on, Sam? 
I realize it is a finite pool of players and all have been discussed exhaustively, but give me one name at a left field, not previously mentioned on your pods that you see as a fit for the Knicks in 2024. Um, I don't, I don't, if he's, I feel like we've mentioned like literally every player on our, on our pods um, at some point, but a name that I've just kept in mind um, is uh, Trey Lyles as a possible option for a backup for. So Trey Lyles had, I would, you could argue the best season of his career uh, last year um, with the Kings shot it really well. Um, Obviously he went to Kentucky. The issue there is um, as of right now, unless he also decides to change agents, he's represented by clutch and rich Paul. So perhaps, Perhaps that is not the name that I should throw out to you. Um, hmm. Man. I want to I want to give you I feel like we've mentioned everybody. I don't know that there's The pro, here's the problem. Like we know that they're going after DiVincenzo with the full mid-level. And it seems at this point, like if they use the full mid level, it's going to be DiVincenzo. If they don't use the full mid level, then they're just not using it. So it's like, you know, it, it's via trade. And like players, who were they trading for these players? Like, are they trading Obi Toppin for, you know, a, a player? Like, well, then it's either going to be a rookie contract guy or someone on a very cheap salary. Like, I don't see a lot of fits there. <laughs> This would be well if they brought in DiVincenzo, they wouldn't need this guy. But like, uh, oh, oh my God, Nick fans would love this. Uh, how about Obi Toppin and uh, the Pistons uh, protected first for Alec Burks? <laughs> the Knicks wouldn't do that. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sorry. We I feel like we've talked about everybody. That's why I don't really have like, I don't really have anybody on the tip of my tongue. I feel like, maybe Garuba. I mentioned him before, Garuba from Houston. Slot in as a backup four. He's represented by CAA. He's kind of getting squeezed out because they just, you know, they have Eason, they have uh, Jabari Smith, they have Senjun. They may spend on Brooke Lopez. Like, if Garuba gets squeezed out, and from what I, from the little I know about Garuba from studying him before the draft, like, he seems like he'd be a Tibbs guy. Um, so Garuba, there we go. Uh, Barry Craver, what's going on, Barry? Based on the Collins deal, where you don't have to give up much to get a decent player back, did we make a mistake letting Rose's contract go? Um, no, no, I, I, I don't think so. Weird. Um, because it's too risk with the tax implications. It's just too risky. And you'll notice that the the let's look at the the rumor, the Collins deal, he's being taken into cap space. And by the way, the Jazz still have his shit ton of cap space. And if you look at the proposed Aiden deal, they were getting two rotation ba- players back in that trade, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Rashawn Holmes. So like yeah, and and also if you if you just look at Rose's salary slot, it's fifteen point something million. So you could take back a player making up to 
like 20. All right. So let's, again, I'm just talking out of my ass here. Let's say the, the Hawks get so get so desperate and they can't get any good players back for DeAndre Hunter. They're just like, here, take DeAndre Hunter for, you know, Derek Rose. And I don't know what the picks would be. Let's just forget about what the picks would be. Let's just say the Nixon Hawks agreed on what the pick compensation would look like in that trade. Right. Where's DeAndre Hunter getting his minutes where he's earning his 20 plus million dollars. And then it, it sets up this cascading domino effect of, okay, now we got to send other players back. Well, what are we getting for those other players? Well, we're, well, let's get some picks back that we just sent out picks. And this, it's just, it, it was too complicated. They're too close up against the tax. It just didn't make sense for them. So, and I'm sure they did their legwork by the way. And they knew that, they weren't being harmed. They weren't harming themselves by letting him go. Um, I think that's it. Andrew, do we have anything else? No, we don't. Okay. Well, this was fun. Uh, the, I expect these to get a little bit longer each day as we get more, more news, more rumors, and um, we get closer and closer to Friday's 5 p.m., 6 p.m. opening of free agency. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you dug the show, hit the like button. If you're not, if you're watching and you're not subscribed to the KFS YouTube channel, please subscribe. Also, subscribe to the podcast. All those things help us out. And, uh, oh, wait, we got one more. Hold on, one more. Uh, from Fern Rodriguez. John, love these live shows. Thank you. Thank you for not calling me an idiot. Because um, I'm, I'm sure I I'm sure I said a bunch of stuff that may have wanted to make people call me an idiot today. Uh, on KFS, we often say some players are clock starts guys like Aluka. Is Brunson on that list? And if so, how much time do the Knicks have to get a championship team around him? I do not think Brunson is in that category. I think Brunson is coming off of a season in which he went from a guy who many people said that the Knicks overpaid him to a guy that like I is now viewed as a capital S star and like one of those guys and one of the best bargains in the league. And, and by the way, Brunson's two years away from getting his next contract. I think Brunson's going to be just fine and very happy and productive over the next two years uh, to ensure himself. Like he got paid a lot of money here. The money he's going to get paid on his next contract. That's, like that's going to be generational wealth to a different degree. So no, I don't think we have to worry about that. I appreciate the question though. I appreciate the question. Okay, here we go. Uh, tune in tonight at 7 PM for Jeremy Cohen. And then at 8 PM for Chris Percyinen, they are doing back to back off season live streams. Come in, ask them anything you want. It'll be a fun time. Uh, I'll certainly be watching and uh, that's it. Until next time. Catch you later. Peace out. Mother's Day is almost here. 
and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.